0: partnership that we have together. I know there's some new people here. I'm hoping you can understand my accent. I'm uh, born African, lived in Australia, and now I'm proud to be an American, and I've spent a lot of my life in this great nation. I just don't sound like you, and I can't help that. I can try, (laughs) but then you laugh at me, so I'll just stick to this. But uh, I really want you to hear that, because what I'm sharing with you and what we're going to share this weekend is not for you, it's for us in our great nation. And we're not here with some great concepts and ideas and telling you what to do. We're on this great journey together. Uh, you might be using this series about we've never been this way before. Well, none of us have been this way before. We're finding our way in this great season of many uncertainty, uncertainties, but this we know, we're following someone, not something. And if it's about something, you're going to get great ideas, great concepts, great principles. We're going to run with them and fall away. But if it's about following someone called Jesus Christ, well, my friends, honestly, we can't lose our way if we stay close to Jesus. And so you're going to hear a lot about that, I hope, this weekend. We are bringing the message of Jesus. That's what matters most. And I was just thinking while we were singing tonight, you know, the Bible teaches us many things about God. It teaches us that God is omnipresent. How many of you heard of that? He's omnipresent, meaning He's everywhere all the time. You know, we love to quote, I can't run from the presence of God. We can't escape from Him. Even if we try to go to the up mountains or down, He's everywhere. You can't run from Him. And I think we are very comfortable with the omnipresence of God because that means He's everywhere. But the Bible also teaches that God's manifested presence is here. And to be honest, it's easier to say He's everywhere, but it's difficult to say He's here. And those truths are not intention. They are working hand in hand where God is everywhere, but also God is here. Amen. And when you read the Scriptures, it seems that, again, the Scriptures more about the manifest presence of God than just the omni- omni- omnipresence of God. God in the Garden of Eden is here. Amen. In the temple, God is there. In salvation, Jesus came to us. In the Scriptures, and even in the book of Revelation, Jesus is coming back. There does seem to be this emphasis on the manifest presence of God. God is everywhere, but God is also here. And I ask us, I challenge us, are you comfortable with God being everywhere? And also, are you comfortable with God being here? Because what will we do with God is here? acknowledge Him. We don't have to ask God to be here. We don't have to beg God to be here. We simply have to acknowledge God is here and ask God, what is it He'll have us do? What does He want to do? And so I want to challenge us going forward in the season where we've never been before. And Joshua chapter 3 is kind of the text, I guess we all get that revelation from where they said, consecrate yourself and get ready for you're going to cross over. And then it says, then you'll follow this ark. The ark represented the presence of God. They weren't just aimlessly aiming and following someone called Moses or people or Joshua. They were following the presence of God. God was going before them. And even the, the, it said, don't let them go near this, to the, the ark. And I believe, obviously, if you touch the ark, you would die. But I think it was more than just touching it and don't get too close. Was God wanting His people to know, you're not following a man. You're following me, and I am going before you. That's the key. We're not following people. We're following Him. And I love the New Testament, the New Covenant, because now we get to follow someone. And that someone is Jesus Christ. Amen. God is here, and I love that. If you've got a Bible, please go with me, the book of Colossians. And I've been told that. I kind of say, tell people to turn to something, and then I'll never get to it. So we're going to read this right now. What a season. What a time. Many unknowns, many shakings. And here's what happens. That shaking reveals what we are anchored to. I don't like shaking. I have to be honest. I hate the shaking that we go through. But until we're shaken, we don't really know what is our anchor. And what we've seen as our church, the church globally, and certainly in our great nation of the United States, it seems that we've been anchored to some things that God hasn't intended us to be anchored to. And when things fall, we fall with them because our anchor has not been in the right thing or the right person being Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 1 in verse 15, speaking of Jesus, the supremacy of Christ, says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, The firstborn of all creation. For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. It's all about Him. Verse 17, He is before all things. And in Him all things hold together. And He, being Jesus, is the head of the body. And if we don't know what that is, He tells us. The church. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. So that in everything. Say everything. I'm the American preacher now. This is American preaching. Come on. Say this after me. Everything. That in everything everything, He will have preeminence, supremacy, first place. Yeah. He won't have a place. He will have first place yeah, in everything. Yeah, and through this crazy season that we've all gone through, and it's been crazy, it's been nuts. It's like people have lost their minds and people have lost their way. But through this crazy season, I'm convinced that the church has changed in irreversible And unexpected ways. When I say irreversible, meaning there's no going back to pre, before. Things have shifted and changed and God's allowed it for us to come back to what really matters. And there's been these pivots, if I can use that word, some great pivots where we've pivoted from something back to what God intended. I want to give us a few of those, and then I want to hone in on one of them tonight in light of the season, in light of never been this way before, but we're following Jesus. And, and I realize what I'm sharing tonight, you know well. I think for me the biggest prayer was, Lord, let not the, let the, the, the familiarity of this text tonight that I'm going to share from ruin us from what you want to say to us tonight. We know so much Scripture, and I want to challenge us tonight. The greatest threat to the Word of God is not those who directly oppose it. The greatest threat to the Word of God is those who claim to believe it, but who are ignorant to what it really says. That's a greater threat to the Word of God. So many today say, I believe the Bible, I believe the Word of God, but we don't know what we believe because we don't know what it says. And that's why we can't just quote scriptures and hope we go read them. We've got to look to the Word of God and say, help us, Lord. Show us, Lord. Reveal what you said. Yeah. You know, when you open your Bible, God opens His mouth. Yeah. Yes, it's good. We all want to hear God. Give me a word, Lord. Read His Word and He speaks. His Word, His spoken Word, it, it matters. It's relevant. It's real. And God is speaking. But how many of us are going back to the Word of God? And seeing what it really says. You see, the church has had to pivot from Jesus being prominent to Jesus back to being preeminent. He's always been that, but we've had to come back to that. Are you with me? Where Jesus has had a place, he's now back to first place. And we've got to keep him there and contend for that truth day in and day out. Otherwise, the church will lose her way and become religious again. And we need no more religion in the church. We need to be people who have a relationship with Jesus and are focused on him understanding where he is today and what he's called us to do. Yeah. Another pivot, and I think these are all things we should be preaching and series around it, and is that we have moved from doing or having church to actually being the church. Now that sounds so cliche, but it has been so relevant for us who do church, have church, have gatherings, and go back to our lives and just live for the next weekend, realizing actually we are not called to have church or do church. We are called to be the church. And in this crazy season, it's like the church has had to pivot back to understanding it's not just about our gatherings, and it's not just when we can gather together. It's us called out being the the church God's called us to be. We, we've pivoted it. Stay there, friends, rather than get back to just gathering and once a week. Do you think we could change the world having a once-a-week gathering in this room? Never been God's intention that in this room it all goes down. This is equipping us to go and be the church out there. And we've seen the shift. Forced, because we weren't allowed to gather, we were forced to look at what really matters again. We have been pivoted from just carrying a position back to calling. I mean, one of the most tragic things for me is to hear the statistics of 35,000 churches in this great nation have shut down through COVID and will never open again. I think it's more than that, but let's just go with what that statistic says. 350,000 churches. Now, I'm not here to throw rocks. I'm here to say something's wrong. Because I'm just going to state something that I think a lot of people, a lot of leaders, a lot of, had a calling. I mean, had a position, had a vocation, had a job, and they gave it a go. And when trouble hit, which we all faced, it would seem that some said, you know what? I can do something else. I'm going to go do it. And I'm not throwing rocks or pointing fingers. I'm simply saying those who carried on, stayed the course, they moved from a position led, position people to a calling where there's nothing else I can do. And I want to tell you, I've thought about quitting this ministry thing every Monday. Every Monday, I feel like quitting ministry. And through COVID, I felt like quitting ministry seven days a week. But I've come back to this thing that there's nothing else I can do. This is what He's called me to. This is the calling He's been given us. And I want to say, that's what the church has to come back to. And we've been through stuff, and our call has been tested. But He's pushed us back to the call that He's called us to. Rather, we just carry a position called followers of Jesus. But don't know what it means. Are you there? It's been tough, but it's been good for us to come back to calling. We're back in the call of God. I think it's the greatest thing that could have happened to the great church in our nation. Another pivot is where we move from attenders to participators. Yeah. There has been this purging effect, I don't know how else to say it, that's allowed leaders to more accurately identify and discern those who are truly invested in the mission and this, this thing of following Jesus. And I'm not, again, speaking bad of anyone who's left, but I want to tell you that we now know who's with what we're doing rather than I hope that someone's with us. And it's been the most painful for genuine pastors who care about sheep who've gone, but we've also realized there are people that have stayed and God's added more people and we're about all people, but we've got to know who's with us when we call to live out the wonderful dream God has for us. Are you with me, friend? And so we no longer just attend Like we've been forced to participate, and that's God's way. He never wanted attenders of his church. He's looking for participators to play their role so the church can get the job done, so this great king that we've sung about tonight can come back and celebrate the greatest celebration and wedding that we will have with Jesus Christ. It's going to require more people not attending but participating and being involved in what he called them to Another pivot was we've now moved from method-focused to mission-focused. It's like the mission has become the main thing again rather than the methods. And everyone's learning from each other. And how do you do this? And how do you do this? And we have this. And we try these things. and We write books on methods. I'm not anti-methods by any means. But the methods there to serve the mission. Somehow we've been so method-focused, teaching each other how to do things, that we've missed there's a purpose to all the methods called a mission. Jesus left us a mission. Didn't leave us a theology. Didn't leave us a gathering. He left us a mission. All authority on earth has been given to me. Now go and make disciples. That was the mission. Somehow we got so busy with how we do church and the songs we sing. And we like this and we don't like this. And we're this kind of church. and, And I get it, guys. I know I'm stepping on toes. But there's a shift, a pivot back to mission. I kind of feel like in this season, we've never been this way before. We know the mission. Now we can find fresh ways, fresh strategies to reach the people who've yet to be reached. To do things differently, not for the sake of different, but for effectiveness. Amen. But some like, we've got to get back to the same ways we did before in the 80s and the 70s. And God's like, you can do whatever. I, 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 just stick to the mission. Yeah. Now we're talking mission again. And how are we going to help what's going on in the crisis? Can I just, there's crisis in our nation, absolutely. But there's crisis in other nations right now. And we should, if we were truly about mission, look, how can we get in there and establish churches and plant churches to win people to Jesus, to disciple the nations? Because when crisis hits, people are open to the gospel. That door's closing, and what are we going to do? Ah, next time. Yes, the crises are coming, and we've got to get way more prophetic in being effective with the mission God's called us to. Are you with me, friends? I know that's challenging, but we've got to be challenged. I know America's got some problems, but we've got nations waiting for this gospel. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting distracted, and I shouldn't, but, but can I just give you a statistic? Yeah. We, in this great nation, does, I, I know you think that like Austin is like the most unchurched and ungodly. Everyone believes that about every city. I live in Denver. It's the most ungodly city in the world, just so you know, right? <laughs> It's the hardest city, it's the which it does well, yeah, okay. But can I, can I say this? I know that Austin, Austin Lake Travis, well, yeah, you are a bit weird here, let me just say. And, but here's the thing. Even in the most godless city of America, statistics show that at least within a 24-hour period, everybody in this nation, any city in this nation, would have an opportunity to hear the gospel. Within a 24-hour day, one day, someone has the opportunity if they would. Do you know that the unreached regions, every 30-something years, someone would have an opportunity to hear the gospel that we get to hear every single day. I'm not here to get us to feel bad. I'm here to say there's a mission. And Jesus said, focus on that mission. Don't get caught up in times and dates and Get caught up in the mission. Preach this gospel to all nations, and that's when the end will come, is what Jesus said. We're so caught up in vaccines and passports and this, and I get it, guys. It's real, and it's there. But there's nations who've yet to hear what we get to hear every day. And we're so focused on the lost in our city, which is right. But what about unreached? They're not the same, and we've got to be as passionate about both we're coming back. And there's ways and crisis upon crisis. And just read Matthew 25. Jesus taught that the things, rumors of war, wars against man, nation against nation, it's coming. That's what we're living in. But the end will come by the gospel being preached to the nations, all ethnos. Antichrist doesn't bring the end. Devil doesn't bring the end. Our government won't bring the end. Vladimir Putin does not bring the end. Jesus said, This gospel to all nations will be my testimony, and then the end will come. I don't understand it all, but I know this. We have a mission, and the church is so focused on times and dates rather than mission. But God shifted us back to mission. Jesus left us a mission, and the methods can change, must change. Never been this way before, but the mission must never change. Are you there? Amazing how I'm so challenged by the book of Joshua. Four little chapters challenge me all the time. It's probably the most challenging book in the Bible. It's one of those one I just, I can delete on my iPad, but God still has it there. Four chapters that irritate me. It's probably challenged me more than ever in my, my ministry in my life. It does four chapters. I mean, sorry, Jonah, what did I say? Joshua, Joshua Jonah, whatever. <laughs> A J. Jo- Jonah has challenged me four, four chapters, and it's like, and, and I love how it says in the beginning, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Go to the, sun, go to the city of Nineveh and preach against. It. But Jonah ran away. And then for like a whole chapter and a half, Jonah's on the run. And God sends this fish and this whale, and we don't know what it is, but something was sent to bring it and then spits him out again. And then it says in chapter 3, verse 1, the word of the Lord came a second time. Yeah. Same word, same call. Yeah. Who changed? Jonah. Not God and not the call. And God cared so much about Nineveh that he had to send someone who wasn't ready, who claimed to be his servant, who was not ready. And so he had to sort the servant out to get back to the mission. And when he went there, the whole city repented. And Jonah was still mad. That's another whole story. But, but do you, you hear what I'm saying? Friends, nothing's changed when it comes to mission. We've changed, but not the call. God's call hasn't changed. He's got us back on mission. So come back to mission. Stay there and let's get on with the mission God's given us. Another thing, and I'm just going to step on your toes a little this evening, we have had to shift from what we can do as the church to a greater dependence on the supernatural work of God. This is one of the biggest I've seen. You know, the church has grown tired of endlessly filling calendars that don't require God. We minister and do stuff and have stuff, and it doesn't require God. And we calendar full of stuff we get to do and can do. But I believe, honestly, we all in our hearts want to be part of something that can only be explained by God. Zechariah 4, 6, not by might. I mean, how much do we quote that scripture? Well, it's a profound scripture. Not by might. What God was saying, it's not going to be the might of your people. You know, there's a big challenge for us to have a big church, and we have a big church, then we look successful. And I'm not anti-big or small. I'm all for what God wants to do. Just so you know, not all big churches are sellouts. Somehow we think there there must be too many gimmicks. God does whatever He wants, and we need small and big. We just want to be what God... And every church should be growing if it's connected to Jesus. Are you there? But I also want to say... That somehow we think when we get to size, then we can, and God said, it's not by the might of your people. Yet we still have that measuring stick today. The size will determine the impact that we carry. God says, not by might, not by what you can do, nor by power. And that power he's speaking of is King Cyrus's position. You as king do not have the power you need. We can sit here tonight and say, we got such great position in Christ. It's not your position that determines what God does. It's not your numbers, and it's not your position, but by my Spirit. Amen. Oh, we've got to learn that. And there's this pivot of not what can we do, what can He do in and through us? What does He want to do with His people? Can I, can I be honest? It seems that much of the church today is dominated more by the Spirit of this age than the Spirit of Christ. What would a church look like if it was built to attract God, not man? I want to be in that church. I know it's about reaching people, but it's got to be what God's doing through us rather than what we can do, concepts, line up next to everyone else and do our thing with our club. Social club, we're going to have an impact. No, no, it's Him in us and with us and through us. Are you there? Philip Yancey said this, a society that denies the supernatural usually ends up elevating the natural to supernatural status. I want to be bold enough to say so does a church who puts gifts and talents and people and preachers and books and above the supernatural. Because if we're not recognizing the supernatural, we begin to elevate the natural. Yeah, a society that does that is dead. But what about the church that does it? Good. Good. All right, go with me quickly to John, chapter fifteen. This is the one I want to talk a little about this evening, if I can. Are you okay? I'm trying not to be intense. I'm not intense, right? (sighs) Guys, can I say this? The one thing we need more than Christian books, more than Christian movies, more than Christian music, more than Christian media, more than Christian presidents, more than Christian governments, more than Christian businesses. Are you ready? We need more Christian Christians. I don't know how else to say that. Christians who are really Christians. Somehow we like, yeah, okay, let me move on. We need more Christian Christians. See, Christianity is not a teaching. Christianity is Christ. It is Christ. It will always be Christ. Christianity is actively pursuing someone, not something. It's the entire givenness to the person of Christ. Amen. It's entire focus on the person of Christ. Amen. It's the entire obedience to the will of Christ. Amen. It's the entire confidence in the nature and the work of Christ. It's, entire, uh, the Christ uh, it's the entire desire to be intimate with Christ. The Christian life is Christ living His life in and through us. See, Jesus came to us. Jesus walks with us. But Jesus wants to work through us. To us, with us, through us. It's all about Christ. And we read that at the beginning of this evening. The life of Christ is reproduced in us by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a new life. With a new relationship, it's a new source. Jesus Christ is our source. This new position we have with Christ is a vital union with Him. We are now identified with Christ. We are new creatures in Christ. And we have a new position because of Christ. It's all about Jesus. Right? That's what we need, Christian Christians. Not who hold to a teaching, not who tell people what you're not allowed to do, not who have principles and all the stuff. It's people who get that Christ in us is the hope of glory. We follow someone, not a system, not a teaching, not some religion. It's about following Jesus, His life in me, through me. I'm connected to Him. Everything changed in my life the day I met Christ, and it's got to keep changing if we're serious Christians. See, the way we relate to him determines how he relates to us. There's no substitute for Jesus. We somehow put substitutes in place of Jesus. If you want to have fullness of life, I don't know, we've just got to go to Jesus. Amen. All right, let's read together. John chapter 15 quickly. Jesus said uh, said this in verse 1 of John 15. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes so that it'll be even more fruitful. He called us to be fruitful, and there where we're not bearing fruit, He cuts things because He desires us to be more fruitful. See, I I said this to the leaders last night. Again, God doesn't work in calendar years, I understand. But I'm kind of like, we've got to live in what seasons we're in. I felt in 2020, and I was at the beginning of 22, I had no idea. I'm just telling you, I had no idea about a pandemic. I felt God say that 2020 was a season of release. Two months into that season, we all got locked up, shut down, and not allowed to do anything. My friends all over the world were like, gee, what happened to your prophetic word of being released? We locked up. I said, well, I never claimed to be a prophet, number one. But let me tell you this. Looking back, what a year, 2020. What a year. I hated every minute of it. Let me tell you, we were released from things in 2020. We were forced to relook at everything. And God took some things from us, but not for the sake of taking from, but to take from in order to release us into. It was the toughest year, but probably the greatest. Because we got released from all the stuff the church is expected to do and Christians are expected to do, but not Christian Christians. (laughs) What surprised me is how quick we now want to get back to 2019 and all the stuff that He's released us from. Don't go back. No going back. Never been this way before. So 2020, wow, don't want to have another year like that. 2021, I thought, okay, God, I'm dare to ask you what's next. And I felt God say, we're going to move into a season of effectiveness. I'm like, okay, that's, that's a good thing, I think. It's in the Bible. It just means some of my plans are sidelined. And now God's, we've got to line up with what God's doing rather than do our thing and trust God's with us. Look for effective ways and new ways and fresh strategy. And we've seen that. And I felt, okay, I dare ask for this next season, 2022. What's on your heart, Lord? Fruitfulness. I felt God say, we're going to be released from, to be released into, to be more effective, to be fruitful. Now, fruitful is not this weird thing. You, You are fruitful or you're not. And this is what we just read, that that you will be even more fruitful is what He desires of us. Verse 3 says, you are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me and I'll remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. Wow, we should learn that. We know that with branches and trees and shrubs, but we think we can bear fruit without Him. We get results driven. We run after results, and we're all about what everyone else is doing, rather than what about being fruitful, remaining in Him. Without Him, we cannot do it. It's what He says. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Verse 5, I am the vine. If we're guessing who that is, He says, I am the vine. You are the branches. Some of us need to hear that. You're not the vine. (laughs) I'm not the vine. Your church is not the vine. John Maxwell's not the vine. <laughs> Sorry, that's an in-house joke. Nobody's the vine Exhibit. I am the vine. You are the branches. <laughs> if you remain in me. I oh no. So if, yeah, wait, where am I? Um, thank you. Get back to the Word of God. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him. Do you see that connection? He will bear much fruit. The guarantee, if you remain in Him and He remains in you, fruitful. Amen. There's a direct result of fruitfulness. You yeah. don't have to run after fruit. You don't have to go make fruit. Remain in Him and Him in us, fruitful. Amen. Sure. You will be fruitful. Yeah, You'll bear much fruit. And then He says, but apart from me, you can't do anything. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. If anyone does not remain in me, it's like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burnt. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Amen. Now I'm going to pause and say this: Most of us, when we ask, "What's the fruit of a uh, uh, what's the proof of a follower of Jesus?" and most of us will quote. By your love for one another, you'll know that they're my disciples. That's where we mostly go. It's our love for one another, and that's true. But Jesus just said this. By your fruit, people will know you're my disciples. Not just that we love each other, the fruit in our lives and ministries and churches. That's also a proof that you're a follower of Jesus, a Christian Christian. you there. Not some great ministry you carry that everyone records. Fruitfulness. And by that fruit that's in your life, it's a testimony that I'm a follower of Jesus. Verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in His love. Verse 11. I have told you this so that my, that my joy may be in you and that, your joy may be, that my joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I've loved you. Greater love has no one than this than he who lays down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Verse 15, and this is what I want to talk about a bit tonight. I no longer call you servants. Because a servant does not know the master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything I have learned from my Father, I have now made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my fa- command love each other. Fruitful in Him, failure without him faithful to him yeah. faith ask whatever in my name and it will be given to you let me tell you that fear rises in the absence of faith and i think that there's such fear that's gripped the church today because we don't have faith anymore and if you don't have faith fear's kicking in but he's saying ask whatever you wish and it'll be done fullness joy complete love and affirmation is what he says and he says friends One of the greatest pivots we've had to come back to is that God's pivoted us. We're not just servants of Jesus. We're friends. Now, I I don't like talking about this because I want to talk lordship. I want to talk headship. I think we need more revelation of King Jesus, and we need to understand the... But you can't get away from this that he also calls us friends. And yes, we are servants, and we got to understand we serve him. But we also need a shifting in our posture, a pivoting in our posture that we're not just servants of Christ, he calls us friends. I'm not a prophet. That's not my gifting. I believe we're all prophetic, and we all see the future, prepare for it, and become it. But I'm not a prophet. And I was ticked with the prophets because they seem to get this thing very wrong about pretty much everything we've been through recently. They got the president thing wrong, clearly. And I'm not mocking. I'm just saying... They got, no one warned us of COVID, just so you know. And then suddenly, oh, yeah, I did. No, you didn't. Okay. And I remember being in a prayer meeting, and I was angry. I'm not angry. Just like, gee, Lord, why were the prophets? Why didn't And we take an Old Testament truth that I get in trouble saying? God's not allowed to do anything until He tells the prophets. That's Old Covenant. It's not true. Sorry. Just read the whole Bible, not the Old Covenant not mocking. They have a role to play, but they don't speak to us on God's behalf. God speaks to us on His behalf through His Son, Jesus Christ. If we're waiting for the prophets, we're going to be waiting a long time, and we're going to get the wrong answers half the time. I'm not mocking. God allowed that, so we don't have faith in a prophet or a prophecy, but in Christ. Are you, are you okay? Please come back. I have prophets on my team, but they don't have a place. They don't take the place of Christ. I don't speak to me on God's behalf. God speaks to me because I'm a friend and a son, not a grandson who has to go through another father. So I was mad. I'm just like, Lord, what? and I was in a prayer meeting in the beginning, going into 2020 and going, okay, well, 2020, where were the prophets? Why didn't they warn us? I felt the Lord say, where were you? I was like, where were the prophets? And he said, where were you? Right here waiting for the prophets. (laughs) And then I was reminded of this very text where Jesus said, I do not call you servant, but I call you friend. Why do I call you a friend? Because a servant does not know the master's business. Where were we? Too busy serving Jesus and the church and ministry and at their place of being a friend where He reveals to us what it is He's doing. I I hope you're hearing me. There is place for the prophets. I'm just telling you they don't replace your friendship with Jesus. We're in the New Testament. Jesus says, I call you friends. He didn't say, you call me friend. He said, I call you friend. I no longer call you servants, but now friends, why? Because I have revealed to you everything my father's doing never been this way before follow Jesus how by being friends with Jesus is that okay it's not blasphemy Jesus said this we are pivoting in our posture so let me ask you are you just a servant or are you a friend going forward it's not enough just to serve him from a distance. He wants intimacy. He wants Christian Christians who are friends with him, where he speaks to us and tells us what he's doing. We need a posture shift, friends, not just stuff we do for him, but stuff we do with him. So this is the ultimate promotion. I mean, listen, Americans love promotion. I, I love this nation for many reasons, but we love promotion here. That's uh, cool. Not wrong, but it's cool that we love promotion. Well, this is the ultimate promotion. I'm moving you from a servant to a friend. The greatest promotion Jesus gives us is you, my friend. It's the ultimate. Jesus promoted them by describing to them the difference between the two positions. Servants don't know their master's business. Servants are task, function, and function oriented. Obedience is their primary focus. And I'm all about obedience. And Jesus said, you're not my friend if you don't obey. But if it's only about obedience, it's like this distance. Jesus is, I'm a servant and you don't know his business. But friends, less concerned about disobeying, more concerned about disappointing. Obedience is the key. Verse 14, you're my friends if you do what I command. So, can I say, friends, the disciples' focus shifted from principles to presence. Well, yeah. We're so principle driven. We Christians are all about principles. And I want to tell you the Bible is not a book of principles. It's not. It's not to be used as here the principles we live by. It's a pattern. From the beginning, it's God revealing His love and His way and His heart and his will it's not you can't read scripture distant from relationship but so much of the church does that and we beat each other over the head with the bible and the bible says this and we go against the communities and tell them what the bible says and god hates you and god hates your lifestyle and god hate. it's like principles We wonder why no one's getting saved and no one's getting healed. We have so many broken leaders in the church because they principle orientated rather than allowing the presence of God to take truth and make it theirs so they can be whole again. Does that make sense? Principles to presence. Are you about principles or are you about presence? Disciples' focus shifted from function to friendship. What I do for him to how my choices affect him. So what changes? A couple of things. What we possess changes. What we possess. See, as we gain access to his heart, what we know changes. We have a very convenient thing called Siri and uh, Google. And I get it. I was with someone today who all he does is Google everything I say. We ask a question. Let me see what Siri says. Let me see. And I love that he's got this wonderful wealth of incredible, useless information. I'm not mocking as Craig, but I'm not. And listen, I'm not as fact-checked, but I don't even think. Who's checking their facts, you know? And listen, I'm not anti. I use social media. But what I want to tell you is this. We so Google everything. How about going to God himself? Why don't you go to Jesus and ask Him? He's got this wealth of information that matters more than what Google's going to tell us. But we're quoting Google and this dude and that dude because we don't access the very thing called His heart. We possess the greatest resources on this planet when it comes to knowledge and where we're going and what we're called to. Never been this way before, but we have access to the great secrets of heaven in Christ. It's true, friends, and I, that's what He wants us to hear, the pivot. Never been this way before, but following Jesus. He wants to reveal things to us. He does reveal if you ask Him. What changes, what we possess, what changes is our passion. Yeah. Yeah. A, friend encounter, a friend, as a friend, encounters with Him are very different to those of a servant. We're far more intimate. And I know this gets weird for some guys. And oh, I'm not sure I can do the intimacy. You better get back to being intimate with Jesus. He wants intimacy with us. Not a woman thing. This is us. All of us who claim to be Christian. Christian Christians. Yeah. Intimate. Passion. Yeah. Very different to servants. Good. Intimate. It's important. It's not just getting the job done, friends. Yeah. When you're friends with Him, you want to be with Him, not just get the job done. Some of us are all about getting the job and... I'm not sure we are enjoying the journey. We're so focused on where we're supposed to be that we're not enjoying this intimate moment and this journey and this incredible walk with Jesus. I'm telling you, we'll walk through better seasons, any season, if we're connected as friends. But if we're all about getting the job done and results, we're going to de- despise the seasons we walk. It's individualized. It's personal. It's personal. Divine encounters become some of our greatest moments. We can't live for them, but we should have them. When last did you have a divine encounter? Well, I heard about this guy, and I heard about... and It's not about what you've heard. Are you having those moments with him? Well, you're not gonna if he's your if you servant, but you will if you friend. I mean, friends. I'm, I'm just I'm not trying to be weird, and I'm not trying to be that guy. But I'm telling you, things have to shift. There's a pivot shift here. Americans are such incredible, big-capacity, big thinkers, driven people. We're driven, and I love that about this nation. We're driven. We—I love talking to Americans. Like when I go to other countries and I lived in other countries, and I'm not, I love Australia and where I've come from, and all that. But when you talk to them, they're like, oh, "I'm not sure we can do that." Americans are like, "Heck yeah, we are the world. We can do whatever. Yeah, let's do it." <laughs> and it's a bit arrogant, but I like that because at least you can go somewhere, right? And but we're driven. And the church is driven. And we play the church game and we drive people and then they burn out and fall away. Another great testimony, another Christian, Christian burning out. Why is that? Because we're driven. We're all about getting on. We're not in this thing of literally having relationship with Jesus. I'm here to tell you, i got a whole lot of preaching about nations and regions and doing more and vision. But this is what the Lord wants us to hear tonight. Your friends first. Otherwise you're done. You're going to not make it. I've had to learn this because I'm a doer. I'm I'm not the Mary type. I'm the Martha. We've got a job to do. Let's get on. Get off the knees and let's get on with this. Mary, get up. I'm serious. And some of us are Marys and what are we going to do sit at the feet? Yeah, they're both good and both bad. It's the moments. But we need to minister from that place of being at Jesus' feet. Divine encounters matter, friends. When last did you have that encounter? Not at a meeting with your time with him. Like I I I I'm under pressure with my job. My call is to preach wherever I go and teach. And I'm always preaching. It's my job. Like I've got it. I love it. But it's a pressure to always come up with the next and the, But I've come to this place that I can come up with stuff that will bless people. But I'd rather just go and sit at the Father's feet. I mean that. And somehow he doesn't download something to me, but I'm still connected with him. And ministry has life. Yeah. Like I, I don't go out and say, Lord, you better show me. I need a revelation. He knows what I need. But How weird is it? I use this illustration. My dad lives in Australia. I can't wait to get back to go see him. But when I get to finally see him after this COVID nonsense, I'm going to go sit there. I'm not going to sit at the table with my dad and say, have you got something you want to tell me, dad? <laughs> Sorry? Well, what do you want to tell me? I'm here. I, like, I've made time to be here. What do you want to tell me? <laughs> Like, what's wrong with you, son? You're an idiot. You've been why? Because I'm not here to but at a table, just hanging out with my pups. Having dinner. And you know what? If he has something to say, he'll say it, but not, hey dad, I'm here. I'm like, is there something I've set aside time to hear? That's my earthly father. But we do that to our heavenly father all the time. What you got for me today? What is it? How about just hang out? How about just go, you know, I've got some things I need to know and how to lead these people through this season right now. But, but here's the deal. Even if you don't tell me, I have the privilege of just connecting with you. Yeah. Yeah. Friends. I don't, these, these are sometimes my friends. Yeah, but we don't go, okay, what have you got? Have you got a message? We go hang out and we just have fun. And I'm not trying to below, bring Jesus love. I'm just telling friendly, be friends. Watch the encounters change. They'll become natural for us. And we minister out of that place and watch the life and the effectiveness and the fruit that comes because we've connected to the life rather than we've got principles and downloads and nonsense. You're with me, friends. I'm sorry. I'm trying not to be intense. I said that. Thirdly, partnership. What changes is our partnership. See, I love partnership. We're all about partnership. But when you're a friend of Christ, you're a partner of Christ. Our function changes radically. Instead of working for him, I get to work with him. That changes everything. Never been this way before. You don't do stuff for him. You do it with him. Oh, man, I love ministry. Man, ministry is but with him, wow, that's ministry. I don't, I don't do things for favor. I do things from favor. Another thing that changes is our position. Our position. Our identity is totally changed when we see that. Our identity sets the tone for all we are, all we do, and all we'll ever become. We're not just followers of Christ. We're friends of Christ. That changes everything. And believers who live out who they really are in Christ, please hear this, they cannot be crippled by the opinions of others. When we burn for the realization of who the Father says we are, we will never really care what others think. Someone said, if you live by the people's acceptance, you'll die from people's rejection. And I watch leaders in churches be derailed all the time by the praise and criticism of people. I want to be liked, but I don't actually care if I care what He thinks. Jesus isn't who who you say He is, but who He says He is. But I too am not who you say I am. I am who He says I am. And that changes everything. See, in Him, we are significant. In Him, we are sufficient. In Him, we are secure. How do we respond? Let me ask you some challenging questions tonight. Number one, is He still a priority? Not when you need something. Is He a priority all the time? You know, when COVID hit, I mean, I've never met a person on this planet who didn't say to me, If I had more time, I would spend it with Jesus. I'm just so busy. And then COVID hit. And we all had time. Every one of us. For some time, everything shut. And we were all forced to. How many of us? I don't put your hand up, but (laughs) spend more time with Him. Conservatively speaking, 99% of us spent no more time with Him. Why is that? It's not time. Priority. We were given all time. And we all watched Netflix or got busy with our kids ministry. Whatever we did, and not bad stuff, but not priority. It's not a time thing. It's a priority. It's a priority. And if it's a servant with his master, it's very difficult. But if it's a friend, I make time to connect with him. He's a priority. And I'll I tell you the lesson I've learned through COVID is this. The Lord of the work is way more important than the work for the Lord. I confess that I was governed by the work of the Lord. And when COVID hit, I had to come back to the Lord of the work, is more important. He's the only one who didn't change. My ministry, the stuff we were involved in, all stopped and ceased and changed. But one who never changed was him. And I'm back to the Lord of the work is more important than the work of the Lord. Prayer is so essential in this. It really is. Prayer, it's not like, oh, I want to hang out with the Lord. Prayer, friends, engages Him. And can I say this? When we pray, we focus on Him. It's a relationship. I, I'm Not to go to Him to get from Him, but I don't want to get, I don't want to get from Him. I want to get more of Him. Yeah, okay. It's a different way of praying. Not God, give me. I want to connect afresh with you. Seeking God, it's a dialogue. I love Yongi Cho said this. Prayer is not a monologue. It's a dialogue. I don't like real... Some of are the guys who, are, who claim to be my friends always talk. tell me what they, I should do. That's not friendship. It's one-sided. I want to let them to ask me what I should do, right? And so friends listen to each other. They don't just keep telling. I, most of us tell, no, are really good at telling God what to do. Prayer is all about, God, you need to do this. And God, I need this. And God, you better give me this. And God, you better stop COVID. And God, you better remove this guy. We're telling God what to do. And then we say we prayed. We had a prayer meeting. Everyone shut up. We all told God what to do. Yeah. That's prayer, right? That's what we're taught. It's not prayer. That's one-sided. That's us telling him. How about we stop telling him and ask him to tell us? And a friend tells us, and I sit with him, and he gives me a whole new list of what I should pray for, and he puts things on my heart that I would never have known. And I phoned this guy, and he's just struggling in this. Who put that on your heart? God. Didn't read about it. and God just revealed. The next step, some of the stuff we're supposed to be doing in this season, it's not going to come from... South Korea, and it's going to come from us going to God. Not downloading someone else's podcast. Go to God. and He will tell you some of the steps we need to be taking going forward. Amen? Can I say, it's hard to hear the voice of God if you've already determined what you want Him to say. Search the Scriptures. Go back to the Word. You want God to speak? Through His Word. So ask, what do you want to show me? I've changed the way I read the Bible. I do not say, I know this, Lord. I'm like, what do you want to show me? What is it you want me to see in this text? John 15. How well do we know this text? I mean, I've heard, I've preached on this so many, and How many other people I've heard preach on this? And then suddenly I'm like, oh, Lord, what do you want to show me? And boom, I want to show you that I want to be your friend, not just your master. I know that, but what about? What are you showing me today? Am I making sense, friends? It's like we've sidelined the Word of God. We've got to come back to the Word of God. When you open the Bible, God speaks. He opens His mouth, and He shows us. There's so many of us quoting books or quoting other leaders. Not enough quoting of Scripture. All right, that's in trouble there. We're, God will show us some of our seasons. I mean, we've got to learn to read the seasons for our lives. We can't keep running to leaders to tell us the next season for our lives. We should be able to go to God and say, what season am I in? What are you showing me for my life and for what we're doing? And what's the next? He speaks, friends. He's not holding out on us. I don't believe that. He really wants us to know. We need to see what He's doing for the now and the future. And that means we've got to connect. I've hated the season, but the more I've connected with Him, the more I've realized God's doing a whole lot. I mean, I want to get out of COVID, and it seems like we're lifting it, but who knows what's next. But in it, when you see what God's doing, when He shows you what He's doing, you're like, makes sense. Yeah. Okay, Lord, don't rush this. We're learning some stuff. Today, we may be walking in prayers that you've prayed in previous seasons. I believe part of what COVID's done has been an answer to most of our prayers. It just came in a very different way. We prayed for the church to get more radical. I prayed for the church to get more committed. I prayed for church, and suddenly COVID hit. And now I look back and go, actually, some breakthroughs have come through the disaster we've walked through. I just want to say, pause and remember the faithfulness of God and His promises. We need to be way more aware of His presence in our lives. Way more aware of everyday activity. He's involved in it all. Not some of it, all of it. Invite Him to be actively involved because He's our friend. All right, you with me? So is He a priority? Secondly, quickly, are you still passionate about Him? See, I want to suggest from Scripture our supreme need is to know Him. That's our supreme need. Not the needs we have for others, to know Him. That's how He created us. It's more than information. It's more than study. It's our spirit abiding with His spirit on an ongoing basis. It must be our highest aim. As we come to know Him, he will discover, we will discover a growing process of intimacy. A closeness that will compel us to want to know Him even more. Knowing Him means entering into a relationship with Him. So He is the dominant influence of our thoughts and our actions. A.W. Tozer said that worship is no longer worship when it represents our culture around us more than Christ within us. I'm not trying to be weird. Does Jesus still take your breath away? Or has your walk with Him become mechanical? Or are you still passionate about Him? It can change tonight. It must change. You know, call the calling of God is birthed and incubated in their place of intimacy. And when God gives you that, you're going to stay the course. But when you've heard it from a preacher, you're going to keep running back to the preacher to keep cheering you on. But God somehow gives you that. It's in those deep places God gives you those things. Come back to that time again. Are you proactive with Him? Oh, you know, God, it's up to Him. No, it's not. It's up to you. How we relate to Him determines how He relates to us. Do you live on stolen moments? Or do you connect with Him regularly? Not because it's my duty. Not because it's my Christian duty and responsibility. Because I get to connect Him. In the Western churches, someone has said this, and I've quoted this here before. Someone in another country, a third world country, said of our nation that Western church goers are, more con- are happier to connect with the man of God rather than go up the mountain to God themselves. It's easier to come to church and hear what the man or woman of God is saying through what God saying through them rather than... Go up the mountain ourselves. That's old covenant. Moses had to come down from the mountain and tell the people, now we get to go up the mountain ourselves. And I want to tell you it's the greatest privilege of your Christian life is to go up that mountain and connect with your own God, your own self. You cannot stay the course if you're connected to others who are telling you what God's doing. When you study movements, and I've looked at church history because I want to learn, because this thing I'm leading, I want to make sure it stays the course till Jesus comes back. And when you study some of church history and some of the movements of what happened, when you see the generation that started that thing, they were obsessed with Jesus. They were Jesus-focused, all about Jesus. But it seems that the next generation, they were more connected to the founders than they were to the Jesus. They, they talk more about the people that, Handed them than the one who started it all. I want you to know this. Whatever you're part of with us, it better be about Jesus. I hope you more about him and we make it more about him. So generations behind us will know their king, have friendship with him, have relationship, and stay the course till Jesus comes back. But it's got to be intentional. And that's why we've got to pursue him ourselves. Pursue him. Is, is your soul still satisfied by him alone? Psalm 107 verse 9, he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Can I say this? If he doesn't satisfy us, we need people. We need spouses. We need ministry. We need things. We need money. We need the next thing for recognition. And we watch the church running from one to the other because they haven't gone to him to satisfy their needs. Can I just say this too, to us who are married We have unfair expectations on our spouses if we think they can give us satisfaction that only God can. And I've spent a lot of time in marriage counseling with people through my ministry. And I want to tell you the number one reason is this. The expectation of what they expect from their spouse is what only you can get from God. Are you pressing on and in with Him? See, that's what we're here to say tonight. Never been this way before, but following Him. Meaning you're not pressing on with the mission. You're pressing on and in to Him. You know, Paul, the great apostle, I'm landing. Paul, the apostle, wrote, if you read, I mean, for one of my favorite script, uh, church uh, thing, uh, letters in the Bible is the Philippian book, the book of Philippians. And you can see the heart of Paul in that whole four chapters of how he... Understood this revelation of Jesus. Now, I read that and I'm challenged. But I love the partnership he talked about. But there's something of his emphasis on Jesus. He got something. He understood something. He pressed on and pressed in with Christ. And in chapter 1, his heart revealed, Christ is the purpose of my life. Philippians 1:21 For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. My purpose is not a big church, a big ministry, big recognition. For me to live is Christ. He's the purpose of my life. Yeah. Chapter 2 Christ is the pattern of my life. I'm not patter- patter- patterning my life around other great ministries and great books. Christ is the pattern of my life. He is the example of perfect humility. Paul seemed to want to be more like Jesus. I want us say, I want to be more like him. Chapter 3, Christ is the prize of my life. Philippians 3.17, whatever, 3.7-11, what, uh, 3, For whatever, whatever my profit I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. Oh, that man was obsessed. Yes, he was with the right thing, Jesus Christ. Are you there, friends? Chapter 4, Christ is the power of my life. Philippians 4, 12, 13, I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. Being in both sides, he says. But I've learned the secret of being content. And then he tells us the secret because it's no longer a secret. I know what it is like to have and not have. But I've learned to have a contentment in both. Why? I can do all things through Christ. Are you there, friend? Stating obvious truth tonight. Big vision, big calling, big future. Are you a friend of Jesus? Let's close our eyes if we can. Let's just close our eyes. I'm not gonna get all weird here. We just simply are looking for a response. Nothing new tonight. As I said, my biggest challenge was this familiarity of this text. But I don't believe we can have a theme never been this way before, following Jesus. If we don't understand there's a shift in our focus our posture shift, these pivots. I'm not asking, do you know this? I'm asking, are we in this? Are we living in this? Let's close our eyes for a moment. You know, uh, the prayer of St. Patrick, I just want to read it as I land. It says this, prayer of St. Patrick. He says, as I arise today, May the strength of God pilot me. The power of God uphold me. The wisdom of God guide me. May the eye of God look before me. The ear of God hear me. The word of God speak to me. May the hand of God protect me. The way of God lie before me. The shield of God defend me. The host of God save me. From the snares of the devil, from temptations of vices, From everyone who desires me ill, may Christ shield me today. And he says this, Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit, Christ when I stand, Christ in the heart of everyone who thinks of me. Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me. Christ in every eye that sees me. And Christ in every ear that hears me. I know that was His prayer, but I've tried to take this prayer and pray this for me. Let's stand together. We're not going to... Please don't leave. Just for a moment. Let's just stand. We... We had an incredible time of singing and worshiping this evening already, but we need a posture shift, church. We got a lot to do for the King. I get that, but he—he he wants to do it with us. Not gonna—we're not gonna make it if we're trying to do it for him. can would you just raise your hands lift your hands to Jesus today. Jesus you are incredible incredible you're worthy you are Lord you are first in everything in you all things hold together It's all for you. It's all about you. It's always been about you. And yet in that revelation, you say to your disciples, I no longer call you servant. I call you friend. I just ask tonight, Jesus, just shift our thinking. Yes, you are Lord. Yes, you are King. Yes, everything revolves around you. But even in that place, you want to call us your friend. I don't understand that, but I want to say yes. If that's what you call me, yes. I don't want to get so busy for you that I miss this intimacy that you called me to, not in heaven one day, here on earth. tonight would you just bring that truth to reality for us we want that because you want that we want that because you said that we want to have greater access to your heart the resources of things we need to know we're not going to look for others to speak to us on your behalf let them confirm what you're already saying let's get way better at hearing your voice knowing the voice of our friend and master Jesus knowing what it is you've called us to knowing we can trust you even in this crazy season knowing that you are not holding out or hiding things from us you're speaking you're revealing you're showing maybe not everything but the next steps following you is what we're called to also being friends with you. The will of God is not some random road map. It's a relationship. And you reveal as we stick close to you. I just pray tonight that you'd open the ears of men and women and yeah. boys and girls in this room. that it would not be something so weird that actually there's this natural supernatural relationship we would dare trust you again. Although we feel absolutely unworthy tonight, and we are unworthy, but you made a way, the way. And we don't call you friend, you call us friend. So I pray tonight in this room as our hands are raised, you give us fresh revelation of that truth that you'd help us to come boldly believing simply because you said it. I pray, Lord, that you'll stir faith tonight. Faith not in a word, but faith in you. Faith is you. Freedom is a person, not a feeling. Clarity, our future, visions you, not something we get to do for you. Eyes on Jesus. Eyes on the prize. Lift our heads. Some of us tonight need our heads lifted. And tonight, would you lift our heads supernaturally? Lift them as we gaze on your beauty and splendor. Some of us need healing tonight. Some of us need to move from these principles to wholeness, to pattern, to truth, to words that matter, rather than concepts we love to tell people about. So whatever's needed tonight in this room, friend, friend, Would you do it in us, King Jesus? Spirit, come. Shift our focus. Pivot us from servants to friends. Trust us with secrets of heaven. Trust us with what you're doing today on the earth. Trust us with what you're doing in in, in Austin, Texas. Trust us and use us to action with you in your purposes and your plans. Confirm things tonight. Reveal new things tonight. Greater revelation of you, Jesus. We ask these things in your incredible name, Jesus. I do pray, shift us. Not to go home and think about it. To be shifted tonight things change, see things differently, hear things differently. I ask that tonight in this great room with all these wonderful men and women. Business people in this room, the Lord will give you great insight into business. It's not about a church thing, it's about a kingdom thing. I do believe He can trust those who will go to Him. He will show you what you need to know. Steps for wealth, not so you can be rich, so we can extend the kingdom. Impact, doors that would unlock, keys that would unlock doors that would open regions and cities. I do believe that's the now time. Yeah. But it's the people who will spend time with you. The people who will see the need to connect with their friend. Father, I pray even tonight for greater encounters. Maybe those who haven't had encounters, would you, as we press into you, would you give us fresh encounters? We don't want to read of them and wish we had them. We want to walk with you. I do pray, Lord, would you give the desires of the heart of these men and women here tonight as a friend. Show us you are our friend. May things be different, up pray. We trust you. We believe you. We go. Yes, Lord. Never been this way before, but we're going with you, following you. Friends with you. We thank you, Jesus. So we're going to sing one one last song. Just worship our King together in this space. So don't please just stick around for a little bit longer and ask you just to. Use this opportunity now to respond to what Tyrone's just prayed over us. We've all got different things we need to respond to. I know that I'm convicted in that I so often want to live just the moment beyond. You know, I want to get over the, the stuff that I'm in every second of every day just to get to the next thing. Sometimes God just wants us to sit in the thing right now. So let's worship together.